The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red western corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald. I want to thank you all once again for being kind enough to take just a little bit of time out of your day or night, whatever it may be, wherever you are, uh, to join me here. Also want to thank Overcast. Uh, we've been picked up by them as a host for the podcast as well, so very exciting, and we appreciate them coming on board. I want to open up today's show uh, by doing something that I never in a million years thought I would do. Um, I want to give some credit to Diane Feinstein, uh, cue the giant meteor coming to kill us all, <laughs> but I really do. Uh, she was accosted in her office um, by some, uh looked like between like seven and nine year old kids along with uh, maybe a teacher or, you know, some kind of supervisor. Um, and the kids very obviously were spouting things that they had been programmed with by the adults around them. Um, the one little boy kept saying, government's supposed to be of the people and by the people. He forgot for the people, but, you know, I mean, you could just tell it was things that you wouldn't find kids that age normally saying. Um, and a little bit later while we were there, uh, the same little boy, uh, said, we need your leadership. You know, when was the last time you heard a seven, eight, nine year old say, we need your leadership? I mean, really? When I was that age, I was saying, you know, I need a chocolate chip cookie or, you know, whatever. I certainly wasn't worried about, uh, you know, going and, and protesting at a, a senator's office. You know, maybe I was worried about the next Atari game that was coming out, but, you know, I, I wasn't talking like that. And then um, the adult was that was with them took over, and she said, you know, if you don't act now, then, you know, these are the faces of the people that will be paying for your mistakes later. And, and Feinstein, to her great credit, showed a lot of poise and a lot of restraint, um, which I guess comes with spending 30 years in uh, in the public view. But... You know, she was she was very restrained, and she knows that the Green New Deal uh, is not something that it's, is at all practical. It's not something that we can put into effect. Um, and she probably knows, unlike, you know, it seems like most of today's Democrats, she knows that it's something that isn't going to fix the world. You know, even if you believe in global warming or climate change or whatever the word of the day is now, um, you know, what is just fixing what the United States does going to do? How's that going to fix China? How's that going to fix India? You know, I mean, there's there's two billion people right off the bat. You know, we're 330 million. We're an industrialized nation. You know, we, we care about clean energy. You know, we've come a long way in protecting air, soil, and water. And I hope to God that continues. You know, I sincerely do. Whether you believe in, in climate change or not. You know, man-made climate change. You know, the climate changes. The sun goes through cycles. You know, I mean, there's always going to be climate change. We've been through, what, six ice ages on this planet? The climate changes. You know, and I don't know if there were dinosaurs driving GMC Yukons back then that ended the first one. Maybe there were. I don't know. I wasn't around. Um, but, you know, re regardless of whether or not you believe man is responsible for this, um, Fixing the United States, even if we become perfect, even if we get to legitimately zero emissions, not net zero emissions, if we get to completely no emissions whatsoever, it's not going to save the planet. Again, China, India, 
you know, Russia, you know, all these countries not willing to come on board or, or they come on board and, and, you know, do things the old way anyway. You know, there for years, China was bringing online a new coal-fired power plant every single week. Every week. And I would venture to say that China is probably not using the clean technology that we do here. So how is fixing the United States going to help anything? We're going to end up spending trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars if we even attempt to implement this plan that the Democrats have, this Green New Deal, and to accomplish what? You know, slowing us down economically. That's the only thing that it's going to do. It's not going to save the planet until you get everybody on board. If it's global climate change, it has to be a global solution. So I guess by now you guys have heard about this Green New Deal proposed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, as far as I can tell, has more power than any freshman congressman or congresswoman in the history of the United States. Um, but Nancy, Nancy Pelosi has allowed her to lay out this extremely ambitious agenda, which I say being very kind, um, and 70 other Democrats so far have signed on to it, uh, which just totally blows my mind. Um, one of the first things she wants to do is she wants to get rid of all airplanes. So I, I don't know if this includes military aircraft, um, if we're just going to run around on the ground while other countries bomb us, or exactly how that's going to work. Um, and I guess if we're going to ground all commercial flights, then... You know, we'll have to build a great big high-speed railroad across the Atlantic Ocean and across the Pacific Ocean and down there to Australia and over to Hawaii. And not real sure exactly how that's going to work. Um, you know, the Atlantic at its deepest is about 28,000 feet. And the Pacific at its deepest is about 36,000 feet. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to get the guys down there to start pouring the concrete that's going to have to be five or six or eight miles tall uh, so that our high-speed train can ride across the top of the ocean. But, you know, we'll, we'll work on that. You know, we've, we've got money out the yin-yang, apparently. So, you know, we'll go ahead and, and work on this multi, multi, multi-quintillion dollar impossible project. Not a problem. With AOC, that's a great start. It really is. And then after that, she wants to get rid of cows. Uh, because apparently there is too much cow flatulence in the world. So the United States gets rid of all of our cows. You know, here comes the government telling you what you can eat and what you can't. But even so, the United States gets rid of all of our cows. You know, we've still got India. Again, a billion people with extreme reverence for cows. We get rid of all of our cows, it doesn't matter. India still has theirs, and I assume they have to fart occasionally too. So getting rid of all of our cows has no impact whatsoever. Then she wants to go through and refit literally every single building in the United States with green technology. Awesome. How much is that going to cost? And exactly what are we going to do? We're going to put solar panels on everything? 
You know, how, how much does that cost to retrofit literally every building in the United States? I'm guessing we're up into quintillions again. You know, which, which makes her free health care program, you know, look cheap by comparison. The estimates are that that would only cost $3.3 trillion a year with a federal budget that's around $4 trillion right now. So we're going to double the federal budget. Where's that money going to come from? Oh, yeah, <laughs> charging somewhere between 70 to 90% in taxes. Gotcha. Then she wants to eliminate all fossil fuels. So apparently these trains are going to have to go literally everywhere. You know, and with all the stops that we're going to have, it's going to take you days to get anywhere. Because the train's literally going to have to stop at every house. It's going to have to stop at every business. Because we're not allowed to drive cars anywhere. Oh, and you say, well, Jason, what about electric technology? Oh, electric technology is fantastic. It really is. But we're not burning fossil fuels, so we don't really have a reliable source to generate that electric technology. Oh, she doesn't want to use nuclear either, because that would make way too much sense. So we're not going to have any fossil fuels. None. Zero. You know, and I really like the electric car idea. You know, and any driving enthusiast should be excited about electric cars. Instant torque would be a beautiful thing. You know, electric cars would be faster than any gasoline power car we have, at least in terms of acceleration. But here's the problem. The battery technology that we have can't stand extreme temperatures. I'm sure you've all had the experience at least once in your life that you've gone out to your car on a day where it's 20 degrees outside, and you turn the key, and what do you hear? Because the battery can't handle the cold. You know, and our driving distances in our electric cars are affected by things like that, as well as running the heater or the air conditioner turning the stereo on. So it makes absolutely no sense to get rid of fossil fuels either. And again, even if we are able to make all these changes and get to net zero emissions, which would be a beautiful thing. I don't know anybody that would oppose that. But even if we could, we've still got China. We've still got India. And the pollution that they're belching into the atmosphere is a hell of a lot more than anything that's coming out of the United States. You know, at least we're making the effort to use clean technology. I don't know that they even try. But again, you know, this, this proposal comes from a woman who is extremely proud of herself because she kept Amazon from coming into her district in New York. Amazon that was going to bring 25,000 jobs to her district. Amazon that was going to bring billions and billions of dollars worth of revenue into her district. She helped to make absolutely sure that it didn't happen. <laughs> and, and allegedly, it was because Amazon was offered a $3 billion tax break up front. Which this fine young lady said, oh, we can use that $3 billion somewhere else. Newsflash, genius, that $3 billion doesn't exist. And you would think someone with a degree in economics from Boston University would understand that. I'm really glad I'm not a BU Terrier. 
If I was, I would take that piece of sheepskin that I got from there and I'd give it back to the sheep because it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I kind of hope Democrats don't figure it out. You know, because the rest of the country realizes how idiotic these plans are. And how stupid it is to chase money out of your district, to chase jobs out of your district. You know, are you going to run on that? A president that's going to get rid of jobs? A president that's going to get rid of revenue that we can reinvest in the United States? Yeah, if you don't mind, I don't want a helping of that. Thank you very much. I'll have the hamburger that comes from the cow. So as you all know, President Trump and Kim Jong-un held a summit in Vietnam this week. Uh, Of course, the Dems had to play politics by making sure that they interviewed Michael Cohen on the day that um, the big meeting between Trump and Kim was going on. And I believe they did this for one reason. Uh, Trump has been overwhelmingly successful in reining in the North Korean missile program as well as their nuclear program. Um... Can anyone even recall when the North Koreans' last nuclear test was? I'm not sure at what point it was, but I'm pretty sure it was during the Obama administration. When was the last time Kim lobbed a missile over one of our allies or towards Guam? Pretty sure that was during the Obama administration. You know, Obama saw Kim as a madman. And he said he was someone that we couldn't negotiate with. And so he put forth zero effort. He left the world in nuclear peril because he put forth zero effort. Donald Trump has been successful because he tried. He tried. That's it. All he had to do was try. He's brought back remains of our soldiers from the Korean War that have been over there since the 1950s. He's had our hostages released. And like I said, he stopped the nuclear test. He stopped the missile program. You know, Kim may still have missiles. He may still have nukes. But he's not using them anymore. And he's not using them because Donald Trump has been willing to meet with him and come to an agreement on the fact that this stuff needs to stop. Obama could have done the same thing. He chose not to. Obama could have responded to Vladimir Putin taking Crimea and violating international law by his troops not having readily identifiable uniforms on? And he didn't. So Ukraine loses Crimea because Obama didn't do anything. To be perfectly honest, I was a little bit concerned casting my vote for Donald Trump because I worried about how international relations were going to go. And to this point, it's been damn near flawlessly. I've been so impressed. Putin's been kept in check. Kim's been kept in check. ISIS is almost defeated? Why? Because Trump's made the effort. That's all it took. And it's disgusting that Democrats are going to schedule the Cohen hearings on the day that the summit is actually being conducted, on the main day that meetings are being conducted between the president and Chairman Kim. It was done for one reason, to detract from Donald Trump's overwhelming success. Overwhelming success. 
there was a day when if the president was overseas, we didn't discuss internal politics here. Because we didn't want to make the president look bad to the world. We didn't want to give our enemies negotiating power. Of course, Democrats don't care about that. They don't give a damn about that. They want to tear Trump down at all costs. Including giving Kim more ammunition in their talks. Makes absolutely no sense. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll stand by it until somebody proves me wrong. The Democrats care more about political points and hurting Donald Trump than they do about this country. Than they do about the citizens, than they do about the land. It's all about damaging Donald Trump. And if you get damaged in the process, they don't care. Today's listener commentary comes to us once again from Clay Moore of Macon, Georgia. I'm seriously thinking about changing the name of the show to The Treehouse of Liberty with Clay Moore. Uh, no, but seriously, I, I really do appreciate um, Clay contributing to the show for now the second week in a row. And uh, I, I'm really excited about what he uh, has written for this week. Uh, Clay starts... So how did things get political so quickly? I remember a time when Democrats and Republicans would actually agree to disagree. Now in today's climate, it seems everyone is just in it for themselves and for their causes. I would be so embarrassed to be a politician today and have to stand in front of our forefathers and let them see and hear what the greatest country and government ever on earth has become. Somewhere along the line, money, greed, and power has become more important than love of country and concern for the people. This is from both sides of the political spectrum. I am not a Trump guy, and I am for sure not a liberal. I voted Daryl Castle Constitution Party in 2016. But I've seen politicians and people that think they are important in society hammer and blame Trump for everything under the sun. Yes, some of it he brings on himself, but to hate the president more than you love the country is a head shaker for me. I feel it is summed up best by Senator Ted Cruz, someone I admire. He says, I don't know if it's in the water, the cherry blossoms, or something in the air. But when people get to Washington, they quit listening to the American people. Can't say it any better than that. God bless the USA, and may God bless you all as well. God bless you also, Clay, and thank you so much for uh, submitting again this week. I think what Clay has outlined here is the very biggest problem facing the United States of America in 2019. Um, you know, Democrats not too long ago, um, during the Obama administration, so what, two, two and a half years ago, supported the wall. They in- supported increased border security. They supported the deportation of illegal aliens. They realized the damage that illegal aliens do to the economy. Artificially lowering wages, working under the table, sending their money back to their home country. You know, and, and they saw that and they stood with us on those things. And now because they hate Donald Trump so much, they'll oppose anything to do with the wall, anything to do with border security, anything to do with deportations. If Trump offers protection for for DACA, they oppose it. And all because they hate the guy on the other side of the aisle that much. And it works both ways. Clay's absolutely right it works both ways. You know, there's been a number of times that we've seen, you know, Republicans support welfare-to-work programs when there are guys in the White House. And then all of a sudden, when it's a Democrat, oh, no, no, we're going to oppose that. Are you serious? You know, what really is most important? What did our founders want our elected officials to be? 
You know, do they want guys to be guys and gals to be power hungry and only care about themselves, not worry about their districts or the people that put them in there or why? I sure as hell don't think so. You know, there was there was actually a, a push in a first continental Congress at the end of George Washington's first term to make him king of the United States. Do you understand that? They wanted to make him king. He was so good at his job that they wanted to turn him into what they just fled. They wanted to make George Washington King Washington. And he refused. He flat out refused. Because he was an intelligent enough man to realize, hey, you know what? Hopefully I've done a good job here. Hopefully I've served the American people well. But there are other people that are able to do that. Let's give James Madison his shot. So I'm going to peacefully step down. I'm peacefully going to turn over the reins to somebody else. It's not about me. It's not about my power. It's not about the authority. It's doing the best damn job that I can for the country. And we've had a handful of presidents that maybe have looked at things that way since then. We've had a, a handful of men and, women, men and women in Congress that have looked at things that way since then. Not many. Sure as hell not enough. It's all become about political power. It's all about control. It's all about making sure my own bread's buttered if I'm a senator or a congressman or sometimes even the president of the United States. It's not at all what our elected officials were intended to be. You know, I, I say all the time that if there was one person that I could sit down and have lunch with, it would be Thomas Jefferson. You know, Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence, a key force in the writing of the Constitution. I'd love to tell him what's going on now. I really would. You know, tell him about the political struggle and how nobody cares about the people anymore. How we don't secure our borders. How we fight these meaningless wars overseas. How we're constantly fighting amongst ourselves. How the Constitution has just kind of become a respectful suggestion instead of what we live our lives and enforce our government through. What do you think he would say about that? What do you think he would tell us to do? I'm going to tell you right now, it would be what is referenced in the title of this podcast, The Treehouse of Liberty. I think he would look me right in the eyes and say, Jason, the tree of liberty from time to time needs to be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And I think he would think it's about time to do that. Am I encouraging a violent revolution? Of course not would be very short-lived even if we did try. But at some point, we've got to find some way to reel our leaders back in, to remind them who they work for. They work for us. They report to us. They're not even really our leaders when you get right down to it. They're our elected representatives. They're elected to represent us to represent our causes, to represent the things that we find to be important. And believe me, their power is not one of those things. 
I don't care who's doing the job. I really don't. You know, as long as they are living up to the standards laid out in our Constitution, I don't care who it is. Democrat, Republican, Independent, like Clay said, Constitution Party. And I appreciate the hell out of that vote. I really do. You know, we need somebody who's going to return us to those constitutional ideals that some of us still hold dear. Thanks for getting me started on something that's, that's very important to me, Clay. You, you laid it out very well yourself, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to comment on it as well. Great topic, very well written as always by you, and thank you so very much, sir. I really appreciate you taking the time. On Wednesday, Democrat Chair of the House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, decided to bring in Michael Cohen to testify before his committee. If Michael Cohen sounds familiar, it's because he is the known perjurer, adulterer, and tax evader, who two months from now is going to jail, going to prison, for lying to Congress. And for some reason, Representative Cummings thought it would be a good idea to bring Cohen in to testify before Congress. Okay, so here's a guy that we know will not tell Congress the truth, and we're going to bring him in to testify before Congress. You know, I live in Maryland, but I am so thankful I am not in Congressman or Chairman Cummings' district that I can't even begin to put it into words. They must be really, really proud of him this week. And I can prove to you that Cohen lied to Congress again. In the beginning of his testimony, he said that Donald Trump looked at running for president as the world's biggest infomercial. He said it was a PR stunt. He didn't expect to win. He wasn't trying to win. All he wanted to do was get attention for his brand. And then later in his testimony, Cohen said Trump would do anything and would stop at nothing to win. Both of those things can't be true. Not that it shocks me at all that something coming from Michael Cohen wouldn't be true. But the Democrats are so dead set to get the president that they'll bring in a known liar to continue to lie and make something of that. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I hope the chairman was listening when Michael Cohen said there is no evidence of collusion with Russia because Trump did not collude with Russia. Of course, I guess that's the one part of his testimony Democrats will manage to ignore. But what an absolute disgrace to bring in someone who's going to prison for perjuring himself in front of Congress to testify in front of Congress. It's absolutely humiliating. And Cummings, Cummings should be embarrassed. The Democrats on that committee should be embarrassed. You know, and if they pick and choose what to listen to, you know, and, and they don't choose to listen to the part where Cohen said there was no collusion with Russia, shame on them. Shame on them. Oh, boy, this is a fun story. Dateline done, North Carolina. Turns out a couple of, uh, I would say it's pretty likely that their uh, liberals decided they wanted to deface the statue of General Lee. Kind of been the trend recently. We're either tearing down statues, setting them on fire, ripping them apart, whatever it is, trying to forget our hit history and whitewash everything. 
Of course, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Apparently, some of us know that, some of us don't. And apparently, some of us know the difference between our General Lees, too. Apparently, these idiots down there in Dunn, North Carolina, didn't. They went to the Major General William C. Lee Airborne Museum, where they decided they were going to deface the statue of General Lee. Only problem was, it was Major General William C. Lee, not General Robert E. Lee. There is a difference. The General Lee that stands outside the Airborne Museum was an Army officer in World War II, and the Vandals apparently thought he was Robert E. Lee. To add to their dunceism, the two apparently tried to burn down a marble statue. Allow me to repeat that. They attempted to burn down a marble statue. Gives you the idea of the people that we're up against, folks. Shouldn't be that hard. I'm not going to insult the box of rocks by making the comparison. And so that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. If you would like your listener commentary to be a part of the podcast, there's a couple of different ways you can reach me. You can email me at jdfornwalt at gmail.com, J-D, F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom, at gmail.com. You can also send me a message on Facebook. It's Jason Fornwalt. Again, it's F-O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. And if you do message me or send me an email, please put listener commentary, listener commentary in the subject line or as the first part of the message that you send. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day, evening, night. If there's another time of day you can have, I hope you have a great one of those too. Whatever time it is that you're listening to this, thank you so much. This has been the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fornwalt. Take care.